Super Wild Card Weekend lived up to its name as we head towards the divisional round with some exciting matchups. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright alongside CJ Medeiros, and today we have a great episode in store for you guys tonight. We're going to talk about the Jaguars and their historic comeback victory. We're going to talk about the Giants pulling yet another upset in the past decade over the Vikings here. Uh, the Bills and Bengals heading to the divisional round, but they did not look as good as they could be. And Tom Brady's future and joining us to talk about all of this. We have special guests, both returning to the show. We have Brian Sierra and Chris Kostich. Guys, welcome back to the show. We have some new listeners, though, so why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'll let you go first, Chris. It's <clears throat> fine. Oh, uh, I'm Chris. So uh, if you've listened before, uh, me and Adam worked on the Brocks and Rocks together. Um, I also currently broadcast and produce for Plum State University. Be sure to check us out. LEC Network. Uh, I'll be calling a game tomorrow night. Uh, men's basketball versus New England College. Uh, yeah, that's basically a nice short rundown of who I am. What up? My name is Brian. I'm a senior at William Patterson University in New Jersey. Looking to talk some ball with y'all boys today. Yep, and it is a good day for you to talk some ball since it's you're a Giants fan. Yeah. And you're going to have your guest segment about that. Giants pulling the upset and Daniel Jones having maybe the best game of his entire career with three total touchdowns and over 300 yards. It's not even – I don't even think it should be called an upset no more. Because It's just an upset because it's the Giants, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it was any other team, just not named the Giants, same stats, same players, everybody would be like, oh, it's not an upset, you know, they're a good team, but just because it's the Giants and they used to be, you know what I'm saying, bad, now it's an upset. But when they were 6-1, and one, you know what I'm saying, every single game they got lucky or it was fraud, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Everybody said coming into the game, you know what I'm saying, oh, you can't beat the Vikings. You're not going to beat the Vikings. And now we beat the Vikings. Oh, Vikings are frauds. So I'll, I'll accept the excuses. I'll keep them coming. You know, if we keep winning, I'll accept the excuses. We keep winning. Yeah, it also helps that you always expect your Giants to win, and you exactly. just favor them over every team. So exactly. Um. All right. Well, we're gonna get straight into it. And the Jaguars they wound up beating the Chargers thirty-one to thirty after falling down twenty-seven to nothing uh, towards the end of the second quarter. Their comeback was the the third largest comeback in NFL history, and NFL postseason history. Right, you're you're right. That's that's what I meant. Um, so guys, was this game the Jaguars winning it or the Chargers more losing it? Ryan, I'll start with you. I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, Chargers up twenty seven zero. I feel like they kind of got comfortable as any team in the nfl kind of would get comfortable being up 27 to 0 you're not really expecting any team to come back that probably only really happened with the uh vikings lions game i know the jaguars they're a good team they have playmakers everywhere and trevor lawrence is a dog i mean like 
I knew he was nice going into the game, but he was just at first he threw like three picks starting off the game. I'm like, oh, like he's getting exposed. Whatever the Jags are gonna be the Jags first round. Like I thought they were like it was a miracle that they even made the playoffs. I thought that they were just happy being there, but they're like, no, we want more, and just you know what I'm saying. Down 27-0, they didn't they didn't flint they didn't flinch, they didn't blink, just came back and you know what I'm saying. Crazy win. I thought the craziest part of it though, when uh when the Chargers were up 27-0, there was a better. I saw it on like Bleacher Report, I think, or overtime or something like that, where it was like a sport, like some sports better. But the Chargers were up 27-0, put a $1.4 million bet for the Chargers to win it while they were minus uh 12,500 at the time to only win like 10 grand. So imagine putting one million dollars, one and a half million dollars to only win 10 grand. And you lose. <laughs> like, yeah, Brian, I saw that too. I thought oh that was pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. No, you, like, I don't want to say he deserves it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just insane luck. Like, I don't know if I would just stop betting anything after that. Like, I would not make another bet after that. I don't even know if he has money to bet after that. Like, that's probably everything he had. So it's like, like, I understand why he did it. It's like, Who's gonna come back 27 like zero? Like that maybe only happens once every like 20 years. And it already happened like once this year already. So I doubt it's gonna happen again. In his mind, he thought it was an easy ten thousand dollars, but man, but talk about tough luck. Yeah, that's a fair point. All right. Uh Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean definitely I feel like it's more on the Chargers because Chargers end up always finding a way to lose these types of games as we've seen the last few years now. And when you don't have a run game and you're up 27 to nothing, you really handcuff yourself. You really handcuff yourself, especially when you have a guy like Austin Eckler who gets a ton of touches. But the problem is he's never – I saw one stat. He never had more than 20 carries in a game in his entire career. And when you couple that in – to how well the Jaguars' defense was playing in the second half. I mean, it doesn't – it leaves a huge opportunity for the Jaguars' offense to build momentum off of what their defense is doing. And on top of that, the Chargers' defense, I mean, how do you, how do you blow that? How do you blow that? Because obviously you can look at Justin Herbert and the, and the Chargers' offense whatnot, but – if you don't have anything going on the run game, you're left with third and long, third and medium. And sure, Herbert can make those throws, but you can't expect someone to make a third and ten throw every single drive, or third and ten, third and third and long. Regardless, you you just can't expect someone to make a throw like that every single time, and that leaves the Chargers to only get three points in the second half, and you open the door for the Jaguars to lay their balls on the friggin' field and go for two to leave yourself with a field goal to win the game. I mean, amazing, amazing game management by Jaguars and Doug Peterson, first of all, to even try to do that in the first place. And so, I mean, I guess that's my take on it. So Chargers, I think Chargers really just lost this one. And can I add one more thing? Yeah, Um, sure. The week before, I saw that the Chargers really didn't have anything to play for, and they start all of their starters. You know, like the Giants were in the same boat, and they benched everybody. 
Brian David didn't want to take any risks getting anybody injured because it's I don't know if the Chargers were in a similar situation that if they won, they wouldn't go up a seed. If they lost, they wouldn't go down a seed. I think they're in a position where if they won or lost, they're going to be locked in to play at their seed no matter what. And um, the I think Brandon Staley, the head coach, he sends everybody out. He's like, we're playing to win. We're not going to play scared. And Mike Williams gets hurt. And Bosa gets hurt. So now you're already going into the week, you know, without momentum. Like, you're losing one of your two-star players on both sides of the field. And uh, – Thankfully, Joey Bosa wasn't hurt seriously, but Mike Williams was out the game. He couldn't even play this game. I'm pretty sure he would have made somewhat of an impact this game, whether if they won or lost. You know, um, that's somebody that you want to have on your team healthy playing. That's not somebody on your team that you want out. So, I kind of want to blame the head coach not for not for playing his players, but not having them on a the pitch count like I think he should have. Yeah, Staley definitely is to blame for a lot of this. Yeah. I mean, you you met you brought it up perfectly. Mike Williams breaks his back and then Bose goes down for a little bit. He wasn't hugely affected because he was able to play this past week, but on top of that, Bose getting two unsportsmanlike penalties because he couldn't keep his cool after his team blew a 27-0 lead and then goes to a press conference and then to the reporters starts bashing on the referees. Sure, you can bash on the referees all you want. And that's a whole different story, but you also got to be able to keep your cool in the playoffs when exactly. something like that happens. Yeah, that's a, that's a disciplinary issue. And that all goes down to coaching uh, as well. But uh, CJ, what do you think? I'm really tempted to say that the chargers chargered another game, but it takes two to tango and you know, We've seen really sloppy games where one team's getting handed the game on a silver platter by a team that's choking, and they can't seal the deal. So I will give props for the Jaguars for turning it around as well. You know, their defense clamping down and their offense ramping up the production. And if you're the Chargers, I got a question. How does Brandon Staley still have a job? How? I mean, the Chargers fans literally want him dead for just breathing. And then he goes and does this. I mean, you can make your token sacrifices of the offensive coordinator and your quarterback's coach, but still won't fix the underlying issue. And uh, there is, I'll try to keep it brief, but there is one more thing. I know everyone views him as a top 10 quarterback, but I think it's high time we have a talk about Justin Herbert. He's, I don't think he's the guy. Everybody says he's the next big thing. I view him as the next Matt Stafford. He'll stuff the stat sheet, but he, you're not going to win with him. And you could say coaching as much as you want, but I haven't seen anything. like He's missed the playoffs his first two seasons, and then he gets in, and this happens, and he's a one-and-done. Like I, I know people say it's early yet, but I mean, we, we but I'm not saying they move on from him because it would be stupid if you did because it's just not worth it. But I, I, I think it's time to pump the brakes on the Herbert hype. Uh, so, I don't know about that. So you're going back and forth here, talking about the Jaguars and the, the Chargers. So which, yeah, which is it? it was the Jaguars both. win? Or, so a little bit of both. Yeah, okay. it was literally a little just, bit of both. But I'm just saying I don't know if Herbert's that guy. I really don't. Just, all right. I Especially just, if just they miss the you. playoffs next year and go one and done, then I don't know what to tell you. I think that you make a good point about that he could be the next Matt Stafford. But the thing with Stafford was that, sure, he was stuffing the stat sheet, but he also played on the Lions. Throw him on. And we saw how he did with the Rams last year. Granted, he sucked this mm -hmm. year. And we saw what he could do with the Rams last year with 
how loaded of an offense that was and how amazing of a team that the Rams were last year. So I, I don't know. You throw Justin Herbert with a, a good coach, a coach that's actually capable of not blowing a 27-0 lead, then I well, think I mean, that – Okay, hear me out, but just look at his stats from that game. I mean, are you familiar with them? Because he had a completion percentage of 58%, 273 passing yards, and one touchdown for a passer rating of 84. That's not what you want, especially for a quarterback who's heralded as top 10, fringe top five. All right, so I don't think I have too much to add. I think a lot of you guys pretty much hit uh, the nail on the head here with most with most of this game. I think the only thing I would add, uh, giving the Jaguars some credit, is, um, and I, I alluded to this a little bit before the show, the Jaguars were kind of a team that was that seemed like they were just happy to be there, and they were a team that really, I mean. It, it, it's their first it's the kind of their first time you know playing at a high level and i felt that that was going to get to uh get to them and it did it did boy did it four picks in the first half i also and, want to mention two of those picks weren't really lawrence's fault either yeah there's say. that as well um it, I, and i would yeah it, it was his, it wasn't his fault just the way i look at it when you throw four picks chances are there's there's a tr there's a trend going there right um and two of them probably weren't his fault but at at one point you start looking at it but to go from for him from so bad to so great this is why i don't really like to look at just the final stats in a game if you look at it and it says four picks four and four touchdowns like oh he was just okay but he started out so bad, and he figured it out and brought the team all the way back. And he did it with um, all season, really, with his top wide receiver being Christian Kirk, who's more of, at least during his career, he's been more of a wide receiver, too. Uh, kind of the same with Zay Jones being more of a wide receiver, three. But he's been able to make his pieces that much better, lead his team to the playoffs, and get a playoff victory. I mean, I just got to give Trevor Lawrence all the credit in the world. He figured it out. It wasn't his best night at first. Clearly, the nerves got to him. But he, I mean, he, he figured things out, man. And that that is, he the, the sky is the limit for this kid. It really is. Especially being on um, an imperfect Jaguars team. It's only supposed to get better considering they're getting Calvin Ridley next year. Um, but I did want to move on. So we'll, we're going to change gears, and we are going to get to Brian's guest segment where we're going to talk about the Giants who pulled the upset over the Vikings. That is next. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Touchdown! Unbelievable! 
This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros, special guests Brian Sierra and Chris Kostich. All right, so we are on to Brian's guest segment where we're going to talk about Giants um, and their victory over the Vikings. So, Brian, what do you got? I was called a madman, you know what I'm saying? I was called a madman at the beginning of the year. Giants going to make the playoffs. You're delusional. They're not going to win more than six games. All right, whatever. You're going to work. You know what I'm saying? Make the playoffs. Are you guys going to get bounced? All insanity run. Giants win. All the Vikings are fraud. You guys going to get smoked by the by the freaking uh, Eagles divisional game. You know what I'm saying? I Like the Giants, for me, they're the team to beat. And I kind of have a Bengals vibe to them from last year. Last year, the Bengals snuck into the playoffs and not really snuck in, but they weren't really a team making a lot of noise. Like people weren't really worried about them. And then they show up to the uh, Super Bowl. And then now people are like, they start winning and people are like, oh, this is a hot team. This is going to be the team to beat in the in the playoffs right here. And I'm getting that vibe from the Giants just a little bit. They're kind of under the radar. People know that they're a team. If they stick around, they could win these games. But they're also a team that could blow the doors open if you let them. Dable, Brian Dable, unhandily, he should get coach of the year. Like, I don't really think that there's a coach, maybe Doug Peterson, but the Giants have the worst receiving court in the NFL. Name me, name me one of these receivers that are starting on any NFL team. Richie James, who was signed in the offseason to be a punt returner. Isaiah Hodgins, who was claimed off of waivers sometime in November. And Darius Slayton, a fifth-round pick from four years ago. The Giants are making are making it happen with receivers who you really didn't think that were that weren't even the best receivers coming into the year. Coming into the year, their best receivers would have been Kadarius Tony, who got traded, Sterling Shepard, who got hurt, Wondell Robinson, who they drafted but got hurt, Kenny Galladay, who got a big seventy-two million dollar contract. He's been disappearing since recently. Daniel Jones, everybody had questions on him, but I think he kind of proved himself this this game coming up. He went twenty-four for thirty-five, three hundred yards. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, with a 114 rating. His rushing went crazy. He had 17 carries for like 80 yards. His longest run was 15 yards. And I saw a stat that he was like the first player in playoff history to have 300 passing yards and with multiple touchdowns and like 70 rushing yards. The first player in uh, NFL history in the playoffs to get a win and do that. He's in the and only people who have did that I think were like Josh Allen. And one other person, but they didn't win the games. Um, Saquon Barkley is a dog. You know what I'm saying? On the stat sheet, it didn't really show that he went crazy, but he had 100 total yards, 53 rushing, and like 58 receiving. But he made plays when they mattered. To start off the drive, to start off the game, the Vikings rolled out, run down the field and score easily. So I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a long game. The Giants come right back, 30-yard rip by Saquon Barkley, right up the – Right up the sideline, team goes crazy, O-line goes crazy, and their defense looking a little bit suspect. You know, um, Justin Jefferson, to start off the game, I thought he was going to go crazy. He was locked up rest of the game. He was not a factor. Dalvin Cook, locked up, not a factor. Kirk Cousins was exposed. He wasn't a factor. Coming into the Eagles game, I hope the Giants could, you know, rely on their defense a little bit more. Everybody talks about, oh, the defense wasn't that bad this game. I didn't like how it was a shootout because the Giants aren't really that kind of team to win these shootout kind of games. The Giants are a team that will win by keeping it close 
And in the fourth quarter, they're just going to be the better coach, better, dis more disciplined team at the end of the day. I don't really like how um, they're going into shootouts. Uh, I don't think that's their game. But Daniel Jones, he's a dog, man. Like, what he's doing this with receivers who aren't really, you know, saying? they're good receivers. I love these receivers to death, but, you know, they're not no Stephon Diggs. They're not A.J. Brown. You know what I'm saying? So wait till the offseason once Daniel Jones gets his weapon and Saquon Barkley back with a few more pieces on defense, going to be a problem. Yeah, the way the team is built, it's always it's been at least this season. It's been kind of more of just kind of managing the game uh, through the passing offense, and then letting Saquon Barkley control the game, control the clock. When you when you're able to run the ball effectively, then you can control the clock um, and also play serviceable defense. That's really what got the um, the Giants to this level. They don't try to be anything that they're not. Um, and if you and Daniel Jones has proven to be at this point a player where if he has the pieces, then he could he could potentially be a starting quarterback in this league. So you really they, they gotta at, they gotta give him some help. Uh, and I do see a team in uh, uh, over in Arizona who's shopping a veteran wide receiver uh, that you might like in DeAndre Hopkins, um, who should fetch. Not too bad of a price, given he's a veteran. He was just suspended for uh, for a third of the year. Uh, that's a possibility. But uh, Chris, what do you think? Um, I mean, yeah, we can say the Vikings are frauds, all that. But I mean, Giants came to play. I mean, even the Vikings didn't even have like a terrible game. I mean, they didn't commit any turnovers or anything like that. Um, there was one stat that I saw. It was um, – hold on. I'm trying to pull it up right now. But it was the first time that a team had committed no turnovers. Hold on. I sent it to uh, my buddy's group or our group chat the other day, and it was – I can't find it right now. It do, you, do you know off the top of your head? I can't know off the top of my head. It was the first team in NFL history that went. Yeah, I can't find it right now. But it was the first team in NFL history or in postseason play that had zero turnovers and something else and ended up losing the game. And I think in I think in that, I mean, the Vikings' biggest problem was always going to be their defense. Obviously, the offense, they have. Kirk Cousins that doesn't play well other than 1 p.m. and Justin Jefferson and Giants were able to hold them down to 24 points and whatnot. But like you said, Brian, once they get more pieces on defense and coaching too, I mean, look at where they were last year with Joe Judge. Here they are with Brian Dabble. Coaching does so much, and Brian Dabble has made Daniel Jones into a – now a top 15 quarterback in the league. And Saquon's actually now healthy as well. Saquon's playing to the best of his ability, starting to get into his prime, or not even into his prime yet, you could argue, but playing like he should be in his prime. And at this point, Giants playing the Eagles next week, lost the Eagles twice this year. It's hard to beat a team three times. That's what I'm saying. It's possible. And I have a question for you guys because you guys are all Patriots fans. You know, when uh, Joe Judge was on the Giants, 
he was like the most hated man in New York. I'm like telling you, like nobody claimed this man. He was like a fraud. We don't like him here either. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Like he came in, ruined the offense. He set the offense back 50 years. When he left, it was like we won a Super Bowl. Everybody loved it. Everybody was static. Then you get Brian Dable, who with a worse, you could argue a worse roster than he had last year. Com- like flipped the team a complete 180. It's like a whole different team, a whole different brand of football. The Giants are playing. So I just wanted to know your opinion on Joe Judge and what do you think he's done for you guys? Joe Judge is a special teams coach, and that's all he'll ever be. I think we might move him to special teams coach, and Accord might be demoted to uh, assistant special teams, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that would probably be the better. I mean, uh, there's yeah, no Scott way Zolak to said explain something like everything. That. You know? Yeah, Patriots never really were horrible on special teams. Like they usually had a pretty solid special teams group up until this year. So, yeah. and obviously that showed. Uh, last week of the season, two returns for a touchdown. Like, how the hell do you let that happen with a playoff berth on the line? Yeah, it's like they're, they're, special teams was – it's usually good for them. Like, that's usually one of their their strengths. But this year it was kind of a weakness, and that was a problem. And that starts with putting uh, – that starts with putting Joe Judge in the right spot, which is not calling offensive plays, having him call special teams plays because he's actually pretty solid at that. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to stick to uh, the topic of the Giants this past uh, this past weekend. But CJ, what do you, what do you think about this team? I picked the Vikings to win, even though I thought they were fraudulent, and honestly. Giants are legit. There's no two ways around it. I mean, they expose the Vikings. And honestly, I know the Eagles have the best record and they're all high and mighty. But if I'm Philly, I'm not looking past them. Because not only are the Giants legit, uh, divisional games are always, always tough. You know, like no matter who, like you're always going to get their best fight. And if the Giants catch the Eagles sleeping, oh, I would not rule out an upset because teams like in one and two seeds, well, much like Philly, sometimes they have the uh, unfortunate arrogance to look past their opponents. And believe you me, you do not look past the Giants. That's really all I got. I just found the stat I was just talking about. Um, So per Optus stats, the Vikings are the only team in the Super Bowl era to complete at least 80% of their passes no turnovers, no sacks, and still lose in regular or postseason. NFL teams have been 47-0 and 0 in the Super Bowl era when doing all that in a game before uh, the other day. Well, there you go for the Vikings. Um, I wanted to touch on Kirk Cousins a little bit. Um, so we, so it, it's been an ongoing debate like all season between myself and Tuck on whether or not Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback so much. And it, it got so, it, it got so out of hand that I decided, you know what, I'm just going to whip up a list and it's labeled quarterbacks better than Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and I don't know, man, I think I got it. I think I might want to add Danny dimes to that list after that, after this past week, you probably um, should. but in all seriousness, um, 
looking at looking towards next week, and we will we will go more in depth previewing uh, these matchups uh, d- d- for our Friday episode. But like the Eagles this year have been a team where if you're if they're not blowing you out, they're barely like they're barely getting out alive. In fact, in in a lot of the closer games they've had, they've been punched in the mouth and they never recover. Um, for example, the Washington game earlier this year, they they absolutely got smothered, um, and they they were never able to to recover from that. And then then it it took them a, it took them a week for them to actually figure things out again because they fell down to the Colts and they very nearly until the last second lost to them. Um, so this is a team that, like, if you can keep it close, then you have a shot. It's one of they're they're like I don't want to call them soft. But they're a team that I would say seems to have trouble with handling adversity. And if this Giants team is as fearless as they were last year, where they just they stand up, they stand up to their opponent. They're not in, they show no intimidation and they act like they've been there before. Then you could have a shot against against Philly because they have had issues in close games this year. Um, but I wanted to change gears here and talk about. The Bills and Bengals. So these are two teams that were arguable are have been arguably favorites this year uh, to represent in the Super Bowl, but both showed some struggle uh, in their matchups. We're going to talk about whether or not we should be concerned about these two teams. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, special guests Brian Sierra and Chris Kostich. So the Bills and Bengals have won their respected matchups and will face each other uh, in the divisional round where the Bills will host. However, it, it didn't look pretty. So both of these teams were heavily favored to win their their matchups against back their backup the other team's backup and third string quarterbacks, but they both barely won by a possession. Both of them, and actually the Dolphins had had the lead for a little while there. Um, so guys, I'll start with you, Brian. Is there any reason to be concerned about either of these teams? If I'm a Bengals fan, I'm a little bit worried. You know what I'm saying? Even though I went up against the Ravens, a divisional opponent, went up against their backup quarterback. You should be blowing a team out if you're in the playoffs and you're going up against their backup quarterback. I feel like if I'm the Bengals, I'm like, oh, we barely made out this one alive. Bills, they're in the same boat. You know what I'm saying? Divisional opponent against a backup quarterback, that might be a team's kryptonite. You know what I'm saying? If I, you know, if, I'm the head coach of another team. I'm, I know that if uh, – is it Jared Stidham that was their backup quarterback? That was who played for the for the Dolphins? 
Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson, yeah. If I'm if I'm Skylar Thompson and if I'm giving the Bills the work and I'm you know what I'm saying, like what he's like, he might be the worst quarterback in the playoffs. Like that should be a team where you should get like that should be your get right game. That should be a game to set your team up for the playoffs. Like this is who we are, we're coming and blow them out. That shouldn't be a game where you're bit like crawling out of the game, like, oh, like thank God we made it out alive. You know what I'm saying? So that's a hit to the ego. That's like a hit to the confidence. And like now I think that they're not scrambling. They're still a confident team. They still know that they're a good team, that they could do it, but they might not be as confident or they might not be as good as that is that as they think that they were coming into the playoffs. Skylar Thompson, a rookie quarterback, by the way, taken in the seventh round, taken 12 picks ahead of Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, so it's it's funny how both of these teams are going in di- different directions here with the 49ers and Brock Purdy. Uh, but, Chris, what do you think? It's like the year of the backup uh, quarterbacks this year. My man. Literally. Oh my or third God. strings. And, like, I don't know if you could really – Say like, oh, it's a ba- you have a backup quarterback. You should be blowing a team out of the water because it's. I feel like that's just not really fair because I mean, 49ers are just bad example because that's all around. That's just an amazing team. But and we said this when we were talking about the Giants Eagles or the potential Giants Eagles game. It's you facing a team for the third time is really tough. You already know what they're going to be doing. You already know what what's coming at you. Like you just got to go out there and perform, and that's what kind of what happened with the Dolphins. Dolphins already got the Bills once already this year, and granted, it was 120 degrees in Miami, and everyone was collapsing at the end of the game. But really, the Miami almost sure Miami could have won that game if it wasn't for mental errors from uh, Mike McDaniel or or just anyone else. But I mean. Bills should be slightly worried, though. Um, I said this on the fan box. I remember that. Who is a potential Super Bowl fraud. And I said the Bills potentially, and that's if Josh Allen could keep the turnovers down. And that was during a stretch of the season where Josh Allen was committing a ton of turnovers. And now he's given up about 20 – I forget what the number was, but I think it was 20 or 24. I think it was 20 turnovers, and it was a combination of fumbles and interceptions, I think it was. I forget what the exact number was, but it's a lot. That is a lot of turnovers to be giving up, especially this late in the season. So Josh Allen needs to figure it out with the turnovers. Um, And the Ravens and Bengals. Ravens, the only bad thing that they really had going for them was the fact that they had to use Tyler Huntley as their quarterback for the game. And Tyler Huntley has shown that he could be a pretty serviceable, excuse me, serviceable backup when needed. I mean, he's shown that he can win games, and the Ravens' defense was pretty healthy as well. So you take that into account, third time playing the Bengals, they're going to be coming out firing, and that's what happened. And the Bengals kind of got saved by last-second punch out at the goal line for 98 yards for six the other way. But – um. I don't know. Bengals and Bills should be an interesting one. I think we were saying earlier Bengals were probably on their way to beating the Bills if the Hamlin situation didn't pop up, but never know. 
All right. That's a, that is a good point about the bills with the turnovers. That's three. Uh, that was three yesterday, uh, the, this past weekend, uh, Josh, and I'll give, and- I'll give Josh Allen credit that one of the interceptions wasn't his fault either because, uh, I forget who it wasn't the best ball in the world, but I forget who the receiver was, but the receiver should have at least tried to dive or try to reroute a little bit to try to make a better play on the ball, or I think it was the ball was in the air and he didn't really make a good play on it or something like that. I forget what it exactly was. I have to go watch it again, but I'll give Josh on the benefit of the doubt for one of those, but that's still going to be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And when he turns the ball over 20 times between interceptions and fumbles, he has 14 on, he has 14 interceptions on the year and add uh, that's the regular season and add two of them uh, this postseason. So that's a trend that uh, you might get that, get away with that with Skylar Thompson on the other end, but maybe not with Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes uh, in future weeks. Uh, But CJ, what do you think? This is kind of something that I mentioned earlier about division games being tough. That's really something. And, uh, you know, that's something that I think we should consider. And another thing is how I said how in the playoffs, if you're like a higher seed, you tend perhaps to look past some of your lower seeded opponents. And when, when you take that into consideration as well, the fact that it's a divisional game, that's just a recipe for disaster. And both teams, of course, did uh, did win. And I would say this is kind of where like the real test begins. Because now you, you, you're not really in the looking past anyone stage, and this isn't a divisional opponent, so so I wouldn't worry too much. The only things I would worry about is one, since he's O-line, got decimated against the Bill, I mean the Ravens, and two, the Miami Dolphins with Skylar Thompson lit up that Bill's defense. So it's basically like two unstoppable forces coming at each other. When you have the Bills' eh, less than stellar defense, mostly because of injuries, and the Bengals' banged up O line, I have no idea what's going to happen. But I would say that they're probably going to shirk off most of the struggles unless one team just runs away with it. And right. I also want to point out as well, especially with the division games, I think you made a, a great point on the division games. You get a higher seed playing at a home game and you're playing the lower seed and how you could possibly look past them. Great example, 14-2 Patriots, 2010, Brady's uh, second MVP year, and the Jets handed it to them. Mm-hmm. The Patriots that entire season were just making them their bitch. Excuse my, excuse my language, but that's, that's what happened. There was one game where they beat them 41-3 to or whatever it was on Monday Night Football in Gillette. And I think everyone was just expecting the same thing to happen. And then the Jets came in and, and gave them their lunch. Yeah. Like, and you also brought up a fair point that I've actually never thought about. But like when you face a team for the third time um, after already seeing them twice, like that's going, you're, you kind of understand what they're going to do to us in a sense. And, you know, you, if you perform well, then you might be able to play up to, to that competition, even if they might be a more talented football team. Uh, so that's a fair point. In all um, levels of sports, too, never mind 
the NFL or college or just any sort of and any league in general, even high school. Like when I was a junior in high school, we played one team in the regular season uh, twice, played them in the playoffs, and we beat we lost to them twice in the regular season, beat them in the playoffs. So anything can happen. Yeah, there, yeah. There's there's always that. Um, but what I what I want to bring up is the team to be the, the most worried about is the Cincinnati Bengals because they are now missing three starters from that offensive line. And if you look back to last year, they had offensive line issues then, but it was more so from left uh, from uh, from the left side of the um, offensive line was fine. The right side was the issue. So they, then they added Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins and Ted Karras. Ted Karras is still there. He's still okay. But Lyle Collins torn ACL a couple of weeks ago on Christmas Eve. Alex Kappa, high ankle sprain. It's unclear whether he'll be back this postseason. Now they lost Jonah Williams, their left tackle. So you could, if, you could realistically say they have – they are in a worse spot with their offensive line now than they were a year ago when they may, when they somehow managed to to look past it and make a Super Bowl. And you can you can clearly see with this Bengals team, they kind of live and die by their offensive line. When it performs well, they win games. You could see it earlier on in the year. It did not perform well early in the earlier on. They had a lot of new faces. They had it took some time for them to really gel and they were very iffy, very up and down. Then in the in the second half of the year, there was a stretch where for out of six games, on a six-game stretch, they only allowed seven sacks, and they won seven straight uh, following that. So, like, now you're losing your three of your five starters there. I mean, and now you're, and you're going into Buffalo, which has a pretty good – uh, a pretty good pass rush and you're you're going to Buffalo. So they'll be lucky if they get past the bills here. And even if they do, it's still going to be a tall task to go up against Ryan Clark and Chris Jones and company in in uh, uh, in Arrowhead and try to outpace Patrick Mahomes in that offense. So like yes, they 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 you know they they were able to work work with it last year, but like number one, they were in a kind of a better situation last year on that offensive line. And number two, they also had a, a much easier path. They had the Raiders, the Titans, and then the, their toughest their toughest their toughest out was visiting the Chiefs. So that was really it uh, on that end. Um, but if we don't have any anything to add. Um, would we be able to change gears here to the, uh, to Tom Brady? Yeah. All right. Well, next Tom Brady lost another playoff. And I think we lost, I lost, we lost Brian. Um, yeah, he said he has, he has to go. Um, all right. Well, next we have Tom Brady, uh, whose future is, about uncertain as it ever could be. Um, and that'll be Chris's guest segment. That's next. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast.
This is the Fumble Ruski podcast by Power 80 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright and CJ Medeiros with special guest Brian Left. Uh, Brian Sierra Left, but we still have Chris Kostich for his guest segment. So the Buccaneers did lose to the Cowboys 31-14 to and were eliminated in Super Wild Card Weekend. The Buccaneers have are reportedly to fire offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. They also intend to make a push to retain Tom Brady as well. It also wasn't long ago. They won a Super Bowl. And also just this past season, they finished 13 and 4. But Chris, talk to me about Tom Brady and his future in the NFL. Well, I mean, you guys saw the game last night. That was that was probably one of the worst games that I've seen Brady play in the 22 years of living that I've been on this earth. And like, he was just missing some really bad throws. I mean, granted the Cowboys defense had a really stellar performance, but even when there wasn't a ton of pressure, like Brady wasn't even hitting a lot of throws. Like he, End of the first half, you're at the 50-yard line. Cowboys are playing prevent defense, expecting a Hail Mary. And Pat or Pat, Bucks have enough time to get one more playoff and get to the sideline. And the Cowboys were literally giving that to them. And just simple miscommunication on, like, Mike Evans and Brady's part where Evans is trying to get up the field and then go to the sideline, whereas Brady's just accept, expecting a five-yard out. It's little things like that just – simple miscues and misfires that just doesn't bode well for Brady's future. I feel like granted this is one game and he also had the most pass attempts, most pass completions, whatever. But the problem being is that what run game do they really have besides Leonard Fournette? Their run game wasn't really a huge thing. They ran the ball eight times last night. They threw the ball like 62, 63 times. Brady completed. Yeah. What was that? Six, 66. They, they, threw, 66. They, they threw it a lot, yeah. Exactly, because they didn't have a run game. And they all they had to do, all they were worrying about was relying on Brady. And at this point in stage of his career, I mean, I don't know, especially looking at that game and seeing how he's going to be on the free agent market pending if he comes back to Tampa and looking at his press, press conference last night, he's – the way he was addressing the reporters and whatnot, it kind of, kind of seemed like that it was either he was going to leave Tampa or just be done in general. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a little back and forth. I, I'm a little back and forth on what he should do. It's hard to tell what he will do. Um, but I definitely, just me, I definitely do not think – given his recent actions that he should retire just yet because he just came out of retirement. And also that cost him his relationship with, with his wife. I mean, you don't go through all of that just to leave after one season, especially the abysmal year that you had. Um, the way I see it, you either, you either stick with the Buccaneers and say, all right, let's figure things out. Let's regroup, fix the coaching situation, get the offensive line healthy, maybe get some depth there as well. Or you head to the 49ers or Dolphins if they'll have. Um, 
just give it like you need like you're at the age where you need a desirable situation in order to succeed because you're just you're just too old in order to actually overshadow some some imperfections like he did during his New England days. But that's that's my uh, two cents on that. But CJ, what do you think? Now, I I don't know. It just it seems like he's upset with Tampa. I mean, I feel like Brady likely may have said to them, if you want me back, you're going to fire Leftwich. But I don't even know at this point. I mean, it's very clear that he doesn't seem like his heart's in it, especially in Tampa. And, I mean, you know, he was engaging in tampering with Miami, and maybe Miami's going to have him after they killed Tua, basically. So that could be something. But I don't see him retiring. I see him giving it one, maybe two more years somewhere else. I personally think Vegas, because one, Vegas is going to need to appease Devontae Adams after they traded his best friend. And two, the Niners kind of have Purdy now. And, you know, if he's an emerging good QB, then you don't really want to anger him. So I just, there's a whole lot up in the air right now. Would I be shocked if he retired? No, no, I wouldn't. But do I expect him to? Honestly, no. Like I said, I just there's really not a lot we can say. It's all speculation. But I would actually be surprised if he also went back to Tampa. Like I said, I think Vegas is probably going to be the spot where he'll go. And honestly, one could even say one could even say New England. Mm, I mean no. that that would definitely be a long shot. But when you got Bill O'Brien possibly coming back and seeing the way that Brady played with Bill O'Brien during the uh, MVP and Super Bowl years, they played really well. And Bill O'Brien can bring in or bring back that two tight end offense that worked really well. I mean, granted, it's probably not going to work as well with John U. Smith and Hunter Henry the way it did with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. But, like, geez, might as well try. And it would be great to have someone like Brady – or uh, someone like Brady for Mac to develop with, too, even to back up. I mean, granted, it wouldn't be the greatest idea in the world, but shit, wouldn't be the worst thing to try either. And I don't think Brady's going to want to go to the Raiders considering how shitty, but sorry for the language, but it the way no that the Raiders played under Josh McDaniels and Brady's not – stupid he knows that mcdaniels is not a good head coach he's a great oc he's a good oc but head coach wise no yeah i suppose so but i think too many bridges were burned in new england for him to come back also rob gronkowski outright said he would be shocked if brady went to new england oh yeah you know i so with the offensive weapons in vegas i could see it but the offensive line isn't much better of a situation if it is uh, than Tampa, and also that defense. Oh my lord, that defense blew this year. Also, their coaching, their their head coaching wasn't all that good. They're gonna need no. a new. They're gonna, so if if he does decide to go there, they it has its it has its it has its ups. Uh, and it would be kind of closer to his hometown in California. But 
they would have a laundry list of things to improve on if they're going to if they're going to contend with him. And I think the only the only desirable situation, the only options Brady should ever should ever have is a team that he could go to that, that could contend, not a team that is like okay, let's stick around for a couple years rebuild. Um, if they and so I actually I didn't and I didn't I completely forgot about this, but I but um apparently I guess the the Dolphins are committing to to a tongue of Iloa hundred percent. Uh, Mike McDaniel uh, already has already outright said we're we're sticking with him and rightfully so because he's still a young piece and a lot of it was injuries. So if let's see, let's regroup and see how things do, um, how how thing how things do um, when they're healthy if they can stay that way. Um, but the 49ers, that so that that's going to be an interesting situation. Uh, that it obviously wouldn't be a. It's no, there's no guarantees because they still have Brock Purdy. They also have Trey Lance, who they need to give more of a chance to. He's their third overall pick. You got to give him more of a shot. And like, if but like, if they decide to abandon both players, then and say, well, we'd be crazy if we didn't, if, if we didn't bring Brady in with this this coaching, with this offensive attack, with this defense, the protection that he would have, he would thrive on that team. He he would have probably his best his best season he would have in in years maybe even including those two Tam, those two first Tampa years because it's just they're so loaded with offensive talent and they're they're balanced they're well coached that would be his best spot and he's always wanted to be a, be a 49er he was he was a Niners fan when he was growing up so that would be the dream destination for him especially for his last two years you know. He stays in the league for a couple a couple of years, contends, maybe wins another Super Bowl, and then he hangs it up. But he better hang it up after then because you got a you, uh, such a great career. You need to end on a high note, man. Yeah, and the other thing too, I mean, you bring uh, Brady to San Francisco, and the and there's so many similarities between Purdy right now to Brady's first year. Brady in his first year was basically doing the same thing that Brock Purdy is doing right now. They're just doing enough to get wins. I mean, sure, Pur- they had Purdy throw 30 times this past uh, weekend. Went 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, and uh, 130-something rating. But And Brady wasn't really putting up the same stats. But like I said, right now, Pur- all Purdy has to do is just do enough to get the win. And that's what Brady did in that first real year, the Super Bowl year. And that's kind of all they need him to do. And if, and if they bring Brady in next year, then that'd be a good way for him to develop a little bit more. And that's kind of what happened with Brady was that he was able to develop under Drew Bledsoe and end up developing into a better quarterback, obviously as the years went on, but a really good veteran quarterback would be pretty good for Purdy, if anything. Yeah, that that is a maybe he could you know grow under him for a year, and like the 49ers have been a team that needs to they need to win a Super Bowl, man. Like that that team is so it's such a professional 
well-oiled organization and they've really made all of the right choices in the past, you know, five years. And that's a team that needs a Super Bowl. They're I don't want to say win now because they they're not old, but they they're built to win. And if you have that one last piece, the quarterback that's been their Achilles heel ever since Steve Young retired. If they just have that last piece, they can win their sixth Super Bowl. And I don't know. I think Tom Brady still has it, especially when you the, this this Buccaneers team was so um, was so dysfunctional this year. But Brady still had a chance at five thousand yards if he played that full week eighteen, and and threw for twenty five touchdown passes to nine picks. I don't want to say that's a good year because by his standards, it's pretty bad. But it tells me that he still has the potential if he's in the right system. It's kind of just you're trying. We're trying to ink out the, those last ounces of football that he has left in him. And I Third think the 49ers this are year too. Third What's and passing that? yards this year too. What's that? Third and passing yards this year. Too. Third and exactly. He. I mean, in passing yards, he was pretty much the same. And touchdowns. Honestly, if they weren't so dink and why the hell did that? You you. If it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. You had in like I, I'm not the biggest fan of Bruce Arians, but you had a offense that was built to go vertical, to throw it deep, or at least down the middle, you know, 20 yard darts. And they went to dink and dunk. And if they had just not done that, he'd have he'd at least have 30 touchdown passes, at least five it's more because, than he had this year. It's because Bulls is a defensive guy. I mean, you Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. There's oh, yeah. no denying that. But as a head coach, he's not good. And when you got a defensive-minded head coach and whatnot, it's he's going to want to do things a little bit more conservatively. And saw that with Matt Patricia, obviously, this year with the Patriots. Just screenplay every other play and just not turn the ball over. And then once you actually go vertical, it ends up being a shit play. And... Bucks basically had the same thing going. Yeah, they're, they're it's like, and I understand some form of conservative play. You don't want to take too many risks. We see the other extreme with Bruce Arians, but at least it kind of worked. And with Byron Leftwich, clearly in his year, they had some sort of uh, uh, conservatism. I don't know how how I would pronounce, but it was a good mix. Yeah, it was a good it's, mix. It's, That's the thing. You it's need a good, a good mix. mix. You can't you know, just be taking your shots off of – like last night, you can't just be taking your shots right out of the two-minute warning when you're down 31-14. to 14. And granted, Mike Evans should have made that catch too. Oh, but yeah, I saw that. You can't, be, yeah. you can't be taking your shots that late in the game when you're already down so much and the game's pretty much out of hand or is already over. You just can't be – you can't just be wasting – your opportunities for the final minutes of the game or when the game is already out of hand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a season for, to forget for both the Buccaneers and for Tom Brady. Either way though, if you are the Buccaneers, you need to try and retain Tom Brady. You're a team that's built to win now, like actually built to win now. And if you lose him, you're back to the dark ages where you were. Uh, pre-2002. 
So that's that's definitely something that they should prioritize. Uh, but I do want to move on because we are actually getting up there in time uh, to our fan box where we asked. So we talked about a lot of about individual about teams in general. I want to get more to some of the best performers, the individual players from Super Wildcard Weekend because there were a lot of them. So that is next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. This is the Fumble Ruski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Madero, special special guest Chris Kostich. So we have reached the fan box portion of our show. So we post a question filter on our Instagram every Monday, and you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more. And we will discuss it and give you a shout out on our podcast. Respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show. So the question of the week was which individual player put up the best performance during Super Bowl uh, Super Wild Card Weekend? It's still a mouthful in its second season mention it, uh, mentioning it, but it, it has been a week that's I kind I kind of like I kind of like the new Wild Card Weekend. It was kind of I don't think they should more. keep calling it Super Wild Card though. We're at the just call it Wild Card season. Weekend. It's too it's yeah. way too much to mm-hmm. say, and I I keep accidentally almost saying Super Bowl. In fact, I think I said that on our last episode. I'll, I'll whenever I I give like my spiel right before I start, I said Super Bowl. I mean Super Wild Card. Like, just keep it. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Um. All right. So going into our first responses, we have a lot of Brock Purdy votes. So Connor Fallon, Stephen Parker, and Mal, uh, Mallory Kleppel, and yourself, Chris Kostich. All said Brock Purdy. And you added Christian McCaffrey as well. Uh, we can get to that j- in just a second. But Purdy, I mean, this is a guy who's been an underdog going into this postseason already. And he's showing out with over 300 yards and uh, and three touchdown passes, four total touchdowns. I mean, this kid is, is – I mean, he has a great system around him, but he's showing – he's – Making his case. Yeah, and I said it I said it right before the break too, is that he just does the right things. He just does enough to get the win for his guys. And that's all you really need out of a rookie quarterback that especially if you're the last pick in the NFL drafts, that's all you're really looking to do. You're not trying to do too much. And that's kind of what Kyle Shanahan is trying to do. Don't make him do too much. Granted, like, yeah, you're gonna have you're, you're going to have to make him throw the ball 30 or so times like he did this past week. And he even didn't even need to throw the ball 30 times. That's kind of just the way things were going for the Niners in general. But Oh, yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add to Christian McCaffrey? 
So you said, uh, I mean, do you want me to say what you, you exactly what you said? We have it all typed out. Um, so CMC nearly 150 total yards. Purdy does enough to get wins. Uh, we, we already reviewed, but 150 total yards. Um, anything, anything I think that the, I think the actual number ended up being more like 135 or something like that. But regardless, I mean, dude, put up numbers. That's all. Like, that's all you're looking for from your top guy. If you're putting up numbers, he didn't have any touchdowns, or he had one receiving touchdown. But I mean, he had the bulk of the yards, and that's what Chris McCaffrey does. And thank God he's stayed healthy this entire season, or for most of the season, really. Uh, for once in his career. And now he's on the playoff stage and he's performing. Yeah. And like everyone, even in the speculation on where Christian McCaffrey should get traded before he was traded from the Panthers, everyone was looking at the 49ers because they were such a good destination for him. The run, because they're, they're built for run after the catch. Like the whole team is able to run and catch the ball. And that's something that McCaffrey does with his eyes closed. And he practically carried that Panthers organization. Um, but he also, so there was also Diego Huertas, who also said Brock Purdy, but he also mentioned Trevor Lawrence. And so did Ian Mulhern. He said Trevor Lawrence, regardless of the interceptions, Trevor, La- like Lawrence, I, I can't stretch this, uh, stress this enough. This guy had one of the worst halves. Uh, of a postseason, uh, of a postseason game, I've ever seen relative to their expectations. Because I'm I'm sure there's other performances that have been worse, but lower expectations. This is Trevor Lawrence we're talking about. First overall pick, he's been able to drag this Jaguars organization with a couple of decent pieces. Uh, Christian Kirk is a is a wide receiver too. At least he has been mo- for most of his career. And this guy goes from that to leading his team to a playoff victory in his in his postseason debut. Yeah, and I mean, the mental toughness on this guy too. And the craziest thing is that this dude has never lost on a Saturday, high school, college, the NFL. And it really looked like that too. I thought that when I saw that stat, I was like, oh, that's a good way to, to jinx him. And then 27 nothing at the end of the first half, or 27 nothing. Was it 27 nothing at and at the end of the first? Oh. I think so. I think the so I think the I'm pretty sure the Jaguars got one touchdown right before the half, which is why I haven't yeah. said they were down 27 nothing at the half. Um, but regardless, though, like you throw four interceptions. I mean, granted. Two of them were really his fall and all this other stuff. That that takes a toll on you. You know, you throw four interceptions in the first half, your first NFL playoff game. It's his second year being a young guy, but, geez, that's hard to come back from. And the only other player that's, that did what Trevor Lawrence did was Big Ben a couple of years back against the Browns, and that was a loss. And, granted, they also had to have Big Ben carry the entire team, and they still lost by two scores, but – I mean, with, in this case, Trevor Lawrence didn't need to carry the entire team the way, or he didn't need to carry the entire team the way that Roethlisberger had to do in that game. And Trevor Lawrence was able to overcome all that adversity and 
all those setbacks from the first half and just play his ass off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- this guy really just, uh, I, I can't say enough good things about him. And uh, it, judging on, uh, uh, barring however the Jaguars handled his situation, could become one of the better quarterbacks. I mean, I, he probably will. We can mention this guy in the same breath as the likes of Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes in like a year, a year or two time of uh, a year or two's time. Um, and another great, another great example of what coaching can do for a player too. You got Urban Meyer last year, and he stunk, and now you have Doug Peterson. And I mean, everyone has their opinions on Doug Peterson. I thought he was an absolute jackass, especially in the last game that he had with the Eagles, where he benched Jalen Hurts in the last game, even though it was a meaningless game, you still, you play to win the game and whatnot. And I didn't even think that Peterson was going to get another job after that stunt that he pulled. And here he is with another job and he's redeemed himself. Oh yeah. Especially after he, he like, it's so easy to forget that that guy won a Super Bowl too. And he, he's a good coach. He just made a, a stupid decision. He thought too much about how this was a meaningless game and he was just he was looking after their health. But you still have to you gotta play to win. It sends all the wrong messages to your locker room. Um, but moving on, uh, we got several Daniel Jones votes. Brian Sierra himself, uh, Nick Norman saying, Gimme Daniel Jones. He's been underrated so long on a bad team. William Mantle saying Danny Dimes and Isaac Zonana saying saying Danny Dimes or Saquon. He said coming from a Finns fan, knowing that guy, he's big time Finns guy. But um, yeah, I mean, he had the best game of his career and he's having the best season of his career so far. Maybe not statistically, but you're seeing it with the eye test that this kid does have some potential. Yeah, and that's the same, same thing with Daniel Jones. He just is doing enough to win right now because that's all he's looking to do. He's done so poorly in the past years. That's When you do so par- poorly in the past years and you still got the starting role, you're just doing enough to try to win games. You're not looking to put up numbers. You're just trying to give your team the best shot to win. I was surprised that they brought him back too. I thought they were going to move on from him, bring in a bridge quarterback and start building around him for, to find the next guy in whichever draft, but it's worked out here. They all that clearly all they needed was the coaching change and maybe they could uh, make some adjustments in that passing game, but he's doing the best with what he has. Um, uh, there's also, and this, this guy really performed not just in this game, but this year, uh, Eli Turner and Isaac Zonana said uh, Saquon Barkley and this guy, I mean, Daniel Jones is doing what he can and doing all the things right just to win. Saquon is the guy who's not being conservative. He's, he is the focal point of that offense, man. And we really forgot over the years with all the injuries he's been through about how much of a difference maker he is on that Giants team. Yeah, and craziest part, he wasn't even the leading rusher. He he only, I mean, granted, he only had he only went nine for fifty three, average six yards carry, two touchdowns, and I mean, it wasn't couldn't say that's like his biggest performance, obviously, but you're getting six yards a freaking carry, like 
I mean, that man the ball. I mean, I know you want to utilize Daniel Jones and try to give teams different looks. Daniel Jones had 17 carries, but can't really, can't really have your quarter. I feel like you can't just can't have your quarterback carrying the ball 17 times when you got Saquon on the backfield. But it works. Obviously, it works. But I don't know if that's going to work the same way against Philly. Yeah, and that could really kill them at some point because, you know, if the quarterback gets hurt, then the whole operation falls apart. But 17 carries, 78 yards. He averaged 4.6 a carry. That's Daniel Jones. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he had just nine carries because game script didn't really work in his favor. It was a back-and-forth shootout. Nine carries, 53 yards, 5.9 yards a carry and two touchdowns. So – on, from an efficiency standpoint, he was pretty good, and he scored as well, which is, you know, that's that's a game pro- that's a complete running back right there. He's game flow, pro- he's uh, he's game script pl- uh, proof, and he's able to score touchdowns, and he makes an impact even when it's not really a favorable situation for the running back, which is what you need. Um, so our next votes were for. So we have a few of them, a, bu- a bunch of different ones. Other ones were just uh, – there was Dak Prescott from Patrick Williver. Um, Yeah, I mean, this guy had he, the best yeah. best mm-hmm. game of his career. What did he have, five total touchdowns Something and like, yeah. over 300 yards? I mean, like, uh, as soon yeah, as I jumped that, ship – Yeah, as soon as I jumped box, ship – if you sent that fan box like this morning, I would have said Dak Prescott. Yeah, he, he sent it like a little while ago too. Yeah, um, yeah it, it was um, – and we, it was, we posted the fan box uh, at a certain time because uh, we wanted to get this, uh, this episode out here earlier because uh, just for time constraints. But, I mean, Prescott had an unbelievable game and – uh, as soon as I jump ship on the Cowboys, they have they do that. Granted, it was against a, a Buccaneers team who's having the having issues themselves, um, but they go in in against this 49ers team, and from a talent standpoint, they're kind of they're not far off. They have they they. Uh, I don't want to. I think my one problem though is like you look at the first five, six minutes of that game last night. And Cowboys sucked those first two drives. Like Dak was throwing really bad balls. I mean, not horrible balls, but like catchable balls. And Granny did have to deal with two drops for those receivers, but that offense did not look good in those first two drives of the game. So I think that would be the only concern, but I mean, looking at the way that they played the rest of the game, like they ended up playing the perfect game the rest oh. of the way. And it's kind of hard to really argue with that. But when you look at the first two drives of the game, you kind of wonder if that might end up translating into next week. But like I said, that's only two drives and I don't want to get picky. I'm not a big fan of the Cowboys, but got to put respect where respect is due. Oh yeah, um, so our next vote was Brogdon Hill, who said 
the O-lineman for the Bengals. So if you Oh, think, he got jokes, I see. So mm. if you think about the fact that they lost three of their starters and they still only allowed four sacks, I say only because, I mean, if you lose that many starters, you should have more against that Ravens offensive front. And you still win, so maybe you'll have a chance for next week. You have a chance. You're still alive. You could get Alex Kappa back. And maybe if you survive that week, you get Jonah Williams back. No chance that Lyle Collins comes back with the ACL tear. But you gave yourself a chance to get healthier for the next coming weeks. So you're taking it week by week. It's And it sucks because I was rooting for the Bengals this postseason. I just I got a Joe Burrow jersey for Chris for uh for my birthday. I just love the player. But uh, there it's it's a long shot to see them make it any further than next week. Um Yeah, no, I I'd have to agree with that. And it's going to be it's going to be a good one. Could be game of the year candidate, but you never know. Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll still be a close game. I mean, like it might even the playing field a little bit because it didn't look it didn't look pretty for the Bills in the in the three quarters of a quarter that we got of the matchup between the two. Granted, it, the Bill, Bengals were playing at home, uh, but we have Isaac Zonana who has another vote and he said Wilkins. Now I'm not sure if either of you saw during that game, but this guy Wilkins. Uh, he picked a fight with Josh Allen, and mm-hmm. Allen fought him back because he's, he's a tough, failed. he's a tough dude. No, Dallas, Josh, Christian Wilkins didn't even start that fight. Christian Wilkins was getting a soft block. He he just has his arm stretched out on yeah. an interception. On I think uh, I forgot which interception it was. I was think it was Howard's. Um, he, maybe I don't know. But, but regardless. Yeah. <laughs> But regardless, Wilkins isn't doing anything, and Josh Allen just completely goes pussy mode and and starts a fight yeah. for no reason. Yeah, and he pushed Wilkins and then, and then fell. He didn't even yeah. move the guy. And then his offensive line came to his defense, and it was the entire thing that just came that just came at him. And there were next thing you know, there's five. It's five on one, and they're all pig piling on top of him. It was it was crazy. Um, our next guy is Ben Barrett, who said Brett Ma- uh, Maurer, um, <laughs> who is who is the Cowboys kicker, and he missed four extra points. He made his last one, so I oh, mean, oh, I guess boy. ended ended on ended on a uh, on a high note there. But yeah, I, Cowboys fans can't be happy with him. In fact, I know a Cowboys fan back home who was a special nickname for Brett Maher. Can't say it on air, but I'll say it when it's over. Oh, but uh, it's funny because one of my buddies last night had a bet that he would have under seven and a half points, and then he just kept missing extra points. And he was like, "Wow, I was not because like Cowboys averaging about 23, 24 points a game. So you take that into account. He's gonna hit." Four extra or three extra points, hit a field goal. That's that's uh, six points. So he was like, "All right, I'm going to hit the under." And then, boy, did he hit it! Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And our last response was Josh Hool, who said, "I got to give it to Hawkinson. Guy got guy caught everything despite the loss." And I also have to give this guy credit because so he got he had ten receptions for 129 yards, which is great. 
I also have to give him the most credit because he went from one team to another and he, he played a big role for both teams, but to be able to transition from one offensive system to another and still be able to produce like it's just he didn't even skip a beat. That's in, that's actually pretty impressive. And he he probably he had a career year and I would say probably top 5 this year. I mean, he he had a good year, especially given the circumstances for this guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely did. All right. But uh, well, I do want to ask yep. you guys, who would, who would you guys say is the MVP from this weekend? Ooh. Huh. Ooh. I would say. Because I, I obviously gave mine, or my two, if that, but haven't heard from you guys. I'd probably have to say, I'm trying to think of one that hasn't been mentioned yet, um, but I haven't, I haven't had the chance to think about it. I would say I'd have to go with Brock Purdy too, because I mean, the gut like without, without competent quarterback uh, production from that 49ers team, they may not even make the playoffs this year. Like they were, they were three and four to start this year and they've won 11. They've won like what? 12 straight games. At this point, I mean, it, and it all comes down to quarterback play. If he doesn't play how he is, then they don't, they're not where they are right now. They're not even in the playoffs. We're seeing Seattle or something. Yeah. And but, for the yeah. same reason, I got to go with Daniel Jones, as much as it pains me, because they needed him to step up. They needed him to prove it, and he did. Yeah. That's simple. All right. I agree with that. Well, um, do we have any other thoughts before the, we end the show tonight? This was a long one. Yeah, I uh, feel like whenever I'm on, it ends up being your longest show. Oh, it could be worse. Trust me. Yeah, it, it's it's tough um, because you know it's it's hard to have it's hard to have short episodes, especially at this time of the at this time of the year. I can't not talk about some of these. I felt weird not talking about the 49ers blowing blowing doors, and we it, we still wound up alluding to it a little bit. But that just tells you. I mean, this is just that time of year where we're going to have a lot of com- a lot of topics. the 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 uh, the the length of the episodes usually go down. Um, as you know, once the off season hits, we'll still have our topics, but I mean, it's, it's easier to manage the time in the off season. Um, but it's, it's not, I promise it's not just you. We, we have, we, it happens all the time. Um, all right. Well, Chris, thanks for joining the show, Brian. If you're listening, if you're still listening to the show or if you're listening afterwards, thank you for joining us and talking, talking up your giants. Uh, and we'll see how they do against the Eagles next week. It's going to be wild if they pull the upset. All right. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcasts and the latest coverage of the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week over and out.